about today's reading, one witty preacher said the beggar asked for arms and he got legs. Now, as I said to the kids before, arms is a mercy gift. The beggar would ask for arms, a gift of money or food, simply so he could survive. There was no disability pension in those days, so if one was unable to work, one had to beg. That was the only way that you could survive. And the best place for begging was at the temple, so every day his, his mates would carry him to the temple and sit him down at this one particular gate, and there he would ask to receive a mercy gift, arms. But from Peter and John, he got far, far more than what he ever could have imagined. Look at us, they said. And he fixed his gaze on them, thinking that he was going to get something from them. Peter said, I haven't got any money. No gold, no silver. But what I do have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And he took him by the hand and lifted him up. In the mid-1200s, Thomas Aquinas once visited the Pope and he found the Pope counting out a very large sum of money. You see, Thomas, said the Pope, the church need no longer say silver and gold have I none. True, Thomas replied. Neither can she now say rise up and walk. You see, when we've got nothing to give, when we're at the limits of our resources, when we have no strength in ourselves, that's where faith kicks in. It's only when we come to the end of ourselves, when we know that there is nothing that we can humanly do to fix a situation, it's only then that we actually truly need to, and therefore do, depend upon God. And when we begin to rely on God... That's when God does the most amazing things. And this is probably one of the most important lessons that we need to learn. The greatest gift, the greatest help that we can give anyone is not what we can do. Sometimes when somebody needs help, we go, well, there's nothing that I can really do about that. Well, that's exactly the point. The greatest gift, the greatest help that we can give anyone is not what we can do, it's what God can do. And so we can point them towards God. Now, the reason that today's reading is quite a bit longer than most Bible readings we have that I preach on is because I wanted to hold the one theme all together. And the theme that runs right through this passage is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus isn't very popular today and in fact it probably never has been. The name of Jesus is an offence to many. Some people will reject God completely. A lot of people are willing to actually talk about God. But you bring the name of Jesus into the conversation, you see what kind of reaction you get. Far, far fewer people are willing to talk about Jesus than what they are to talk about God. In fact, in a US presidential debate, George W. Bush was one day asked to identify the thinker who had had the greatest effect on his life. And he named Jesus Christ because, as he put it, he has changed my heart. Well, the uproar was fast and furious. You'd think that he would have said, oh, Osama bin Laden or Adolf Hitler or Stalin. The The New York Times found a bishop, of all people, to denounce Bush's choice. 
A super lawyer went on television to complain that Bush's answer was totally out of line and the courts of critics all sang from the same hymn book. Bush had spoken the forbidden name in American politics. Until I read that illustration, I hadn't really thought about that because all the time you see the, the, um, the pollies in America talking about God and they always bring God into it somehow. And we sort of think, wow, if only our pollies would do that. But then I thought about it. When's the last time you've seen the, the US politicians use the name of Jesus? And I can't remember. Can't remember. But why is the name of Jesus such an offence? Well, I'll give you two reasons. There's probably more, but two of them. Firstly, because the name of Jesus is unique. And secondly, because the name of Jesus demands a response. And we're going to find this coming out in the reading shortly, but there's a lot more for us to learn about the name of Jesus other than why it's an offence. For instance, why do we cling to the name of Jesus? Why is the name of Jesus so good? So firstly, the name of Jesus is powerful. Uh, In 2014... Does anyone know what the most popular name given to a baby boy was? My family aren't allowed to answer because we talked about it yesterday. Anyone know the most popular name for a baby boy in 2014 in Australia? Sorry? John. No. Sorry, John. That's old hat. (laughs) It was Oliver. Oliver was the most popular baby boy's name. And um, I wasn't at all surprised about that. But I was surprised at number two. Does anyone want to guess what number two was? Noah. Noah. And I thought, oh, it would only be the Christian people naming their kids Noah, but apparently no, it's a popular name at the moment. Second most popular boy's name in Australia. The girl's, the most popular name for a girl is Ava. That's an easy one to spell, A-V-A. That would be good learning to spell your name. Um... My parents, they didn't stand against the flow of popularity because in 1969, the most popular name for a baby boy was Michael. And I think the most popular second name for a boy called Michael was John. Yep, everybody was Michael John back then, um, except for those who aren't important. But, so we were... We have common names, but what's so special about the name of Jesus? Today, very few, very few people would ever dare to call their child Jesus. But did you know that when Jesus was a baby boy, Jesus was one of the most popular names that, that was given to a Jewish boy at that time? And if you walked down the street, you you wouldn't have been at all surprised if by the time you got to the end of the block, you'd run into four or five young lads by the name of Jesus. It was a very common name. And in fact, in the New Testament, we find two other Jesuses are recorded right there in the New Testament. Jesus Justice and Jesus Barabbas. But Jesus Christ is a name set apart. Uh, Christ isn't Jesus' surname, by the way, it's a title. Um, by the, back then you used to sort of, I don't think they had surnames, they sort of designated either son of or where they came from. So that's why it's Jesus of Nazareth. 
because that was even though he's born in Bethlehem, we know that his hometown was Nazareth. And it is in this name of this Jesus, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this Jesus, this name is powerful. And so it was God who healed the lame man, but it was done in the name of somebody. It was done in the name of Jesus. When the religious leaders arrested Peter and John, uh, by the way, Peter and John, they got hauled into this little court setting, right? And this was basically the same court, the same blokes who Jesus stood before when he was on trial. The elders, the scribes, Annas, Caiaphas, these are the same ones who put Jesus on trial only a matter of weeks earlier. And when they questioned Peter and John, they wanted to know by what power or by what name did you do this? And while it was God who healed the man, it was done in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It was done in the name of the risen crucified one. It was done in the name of the one that these blokes had pronounced guilty only a short time earlier and had him crucified. The name of Jesus is powerful. And we find throughout the Bible, sickness is healed in the name of Jesus. The blind are made to see in the name of Jesus. The crippled are made to walk. The sinner repents at the name of Jesus. Demons are exercised in the name of Jesus. The dead are raised in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is powerful. Secondly, the name of Jesus is unique. There is no other name by which we can be saved. The name of Buddha will not save you. The name of Muhammad will not save you. The name of Ashtaroth or Sophia or Krishna or Plato or Darwin or Dawkins or Confucius or Dalai Lama or Brahman or Joseph Smith or the Rainbow Serpent, Nut Serpent, none of these names can or will save you. The name of Jesus Christ stands alone. He is unique. Peter said, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We are saved through faith in one name and one name only, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why later today when we go down the river for baptism, Scott is going to be baptised into the name of Jesus Christ. We're not baptising him into anything else. We're baptising him into Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus is unique and many people take offence at that and and that's why we find in this reading the religious leaders are taking offence at the name of Jesus because they had already rejected him. They threw him away on the rubbish heap but now God has put God's stamp of approval on him. God has put his stamp of approval on Christ and Christ alone. I don't like waste. And, um, but there's been times I've watched brickies at work. They're building a house. And there's been some houses that I've seen getting built and it seems like there's been 
to me it looks like one or two pallets of bricks that the builders have just rejected. There's ones that are a bit deformed or ones that have got, got chips where they shouldn't have chips and they pick it up to and, go, oh, and throw it away in the pile. And the pile just seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, there's an illustration given here of the stone that the builders rejected became the cornerstone. Now, as you can imagine, our bricks, they're pretty general shape, aren't they? I mean, after all, they're moulded. But back then, they're building houses out of stones. And so you've got to find stones and rocks that fit together. But a stone that the builders rejected, Peter is saying, has become the cornerstone. It has become the most important stone. And that's the image that Peter gave. The religious leaders, he says, look, you're supposed to be the spiritual builders, but you've rejected Christ. Totally rejected him. You threw him away on the rubbish heap. You had him executed with the worst of the criminals. said he's the worst of the worst. He's just got to be gone. But God has overturned your decision. Even though you killed him, God raised him from the dead. The stone that you rejected, God has made the cornerstone for his building. The beginning of the building that God is building. Don't know what you lot are building. It can't be God's building because you've rejected the main thing, Jesus Christ. And this uniqueness of Christ is an offence to many. Today, Bible-believing Christians are accused of being arrogant or exclusive in that they exclude all other religions. Well, there's a reason for that. Because the fact of the matter is, there is only one way to life. And that's Jesus. That's the truth. And if we're ever to shy away from the truth just so people don't get offended, well, what good is that going to do anybody? Um, what good will it do them if, if somebody's on a road to destruction, don't you think they need to be told, hey, you're on the wrong road. And here's the right road, Jesus Christ. Thirdly, we are saved through faith in the name of Jesus. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time in that today. We've covered it pretty well over the last few weeks. Um, doing good stuff isn't the way to be saved. Um, we have to believe in something and that is we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe that we receive forgiveness from Christ. We, we put our faith in him. We, we repent of our sins and he forgives us. And in his name, by faith in his name, we're saved. Fourthly, in the name of Jesus, they proclaimed the resurrection of the dead. Peter said, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Why do our sins need to be blotted out? What does it matter if I'm a sinner? Well, Peter says, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. See, if I'm full of sin, I can't be in the presence of a holy God. If you read the Old Testament, that's 
all of, read all of Leviticus and stuff, people go, oh, why, why would we ever want to read Leviticus? It's all about these cleanliness rules and purity rules. Well, what that's showing us is the inability of sinful man to be in the presence of the holy God. You would have to go through all of these religious rites and things and cleanliness rules just simply so that you could come into the presence of God. But of course now we're just made clean and pure through Christ and through faith in his name. Now what Peter is saying is Jesus has ascended into heaven now but he's coming back. Right Now remember he's talking to the people who when Pilate said, who do you want me to release to you? All right, look, I think I might release Jesus to you. And they go, no, no, we want Barabbas. And what he's saying is, look, you rejected him once. But it's not too late. Jesus is coming back again. So you missed out, you rejected him at the start, but there's still time to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. You, you, you better do it now, though. And the name of Jesus was preached that day. The name of Jesus is being preached today right across the world. Those who listen, those who repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ can look forward to these times of refreshing. Yep, we receive refreshing from God now um, as we begin to, to um, as God moves in and lives in our heart. Yep. There's times of refreshing. But this is only a glimpse of what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. That's going to be refreshing. When we're in the presence of the Lord. But, Peter said, every soul who does not listen shall be destroyed from the people. And there you have the resurrection of the dead. All will be raised from the dead Those who believe in the name of Jesus will be raised to life uh, to to enjoy the times of these refreshing times. We understand refreshing times at the moment, don't we? We, We've just come through some horrible, stinking hot days and then all of a sudden we've had a a, a few pretty nice days. Yeah? Did anyone feel refreshed over the last few days? I know I did. Well, when Jesus returns, we have these times of refreshing. But those who have rejected Jesus will also be raised, but they will be raised to judgment. And so the name of Jesus Christ forces us to a decision. Do I repent and believe in the name of Jesus or do I stay the same as I am and reject him? The name of Jesus is the only hope for humanity. And so the name of Jesus simply must be preached. The religious leaders were really worried about this new movement. It was a movement of the Holy Spirit, but they wouldn't accept that. It was a movement that was bringing spiritual life, um, but they wouldn't accept that. Uh, It was a movement that was bringing people closer to God, but they wouldn't have a bar of it. And in order that it would spread no further among the people, they came up with a plan. To stop it, 
they decided they were going to warn Peter and John to speak no more to anyone in this name. So what name are we talking about? The name of Jesus. Yeah. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. That was their plan, to, to stop this Christianity thing from spreading amongst the people. And you know what? That, it was a good plan. They were right on the money. Because Christianity does not spread when Christians do not speak the name of Jesus. People are not saved when the disciples of Jesus do not speak or teach in the name of Jesus. People do not find life in Christ. The lost are not found. The weary are not given strength. The hopeless are not given hope when the disciples of Jesus failed to speak and teach in the name of Jesus. They knew what they were doing. All we've got to do is stop these guys from talking about Jesus and it will all come to a stop. And we wonder why today the kingdom of God sometimes seems to be growing so slowly. Or we wonder... Maybe it's not growing at all. In some places we may feel that it's shrinking. And the words of these religious leaders just echo in my head. In order that it may spread no further among the people, do not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. That's all they had to do was stop them from doing that. But Peter and John said to them, well, well, what do you reckon we're going to do? And, and you're going to have to decide for yourself. Do, do we do what, what you say or do we do what God says? As for us, but we cannot but do this. We have to do this. God, what we've seen and heard, we've just got to keep sharing. We know this. And so they let them go after threatening them some more. And when they got back to the other disciples, they told them what had happened. So what do you think they did? They prayed for boldness. Does anyone here today feel they need a boldness to be able to share the name of Jesus? I do. To be able to continue to speak the name of Jesus, to be able to continue to teach in the name of Jesus, they knew they couldn't do it in their own strength. They knew that they needed help. And so they prayed for a boldness. They prayed for strength to continue in the face of opposition to proclaim this good news of Jesus Christ. And they knew that when they were obedient to preaching in the name of Jesus, then God would be doing his work. And God would be stretching out his hand to to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of his holy servant, Jesus. And so they prayed. And when they prayed, that place that they were in was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Do you believe in the name of Jesus? Two of you sort of half-heartedly do. Do you believe in the name of Jesus? I I do. Do do I hear a yes? 
Yes. Believe in the name of Jesus. Will you speak in the name of Jesus? Will you speak to the lost? Will you teach in the name of Jesus? This is our call. And for this we need the help of God.